All right. Welcome back to the Pensive series. This is going to be episode five. We are really on a steamroll here. I hope that you're enjoying every moment of this series. And today we are going to do the chapter called Diagonally. This chapter is our first step into the magical world. And it's truly the first proper proof for Harry to start believing in his uniqueness, to start developing a trust and a good amount of doubt about his own powers. And I think that this dance between how accepting and how trusting we are to or with our own abilities and to which extent we are willing to rely on our potential without doubting and destroying it and trying to strive to make something. And and on the other hand, we are going to experience Harry's abrupt departure from being poor, from being unknown, from being bullied, to suddenly being admired, rich, and, and looked up to. The contrast is so immense that even comprehending that this is happening to an 11-year-old boy, and because of all the suffering that has happened to him, and probably quite a decent character, this boy is not suddenly going crazy. Because there are many times in lives that suddenly people become rich or famous, or something really sudden or abrupt happens with them, and they really lose their grip on all their values, on all their views and feelings towards other people and how, they're ob- how they observe the world. So without further ado, let's delve into this episode and let's dissect it because, yeah, this is so fascinating and the fact that we are getting into the magical world gives me shivers. So let's go. So this chapter is really fully packed with a lot of juicy things. And first of all, I would like to start out with not the Potterhead type of takeaways and then really a little bit geek out because we are getting to a point where I am really struggling with putting my Potter fandom under the rug just to extract these life lessons. So I really want to dedicate a few minutes to talk about some juicy Harry Potter stuff happening and really taking place already in this chapter. All right. So our first, our first, first, first lesson that we are going to go through is going to be Harry needing to trust himself, to be able to trust Hagrid with his life, sort of say, but trust Hagrid to an extent where he believes that whatever he is promised is going to be real and it's going to be true from Gringotts to every other aspect of the wizarding world. It is essential that Harry has trust in himself 
and we will soon see how this trust turns into a sort of doubt because suddenly, as I mentioned, this boy has been, this boy encounters tremendous amount of wealth, un, unexplainable, unexplainable fame, which he cannot, from the bottom of his heart, claim responsibility. And I will come back to this point in a moment. And a lot of admiration, which is actually, which can actually be sourced back to fame, but a lot of admiration because this boy unwillingly, unknowingly impacted the life of hundreds, if not the entire British wizarding community or the international wizarding community by committing something that he's not responsible for, which is basically just a a consequence of Voldemort's of Voldemort's faulty thinking of Lily's bravery, of James's bravery, and these chains of events which Harry is not responsible for. However, still he is the sole purpose, well, a seventh of the sole purpose, why the entire wizarding community is currently in quote-unquote peace. So he is the prophet, the messiah, who never chose to be one. And I think that this responsibility that we receive sometimes from actions in our lives, which we are not responsible for, can have really tremendous impact on our character. So for some, probably winning something like the lottery or having something extremely lucky happen to us, which is outside of our illusory free will, really can have a a diverse and deep impact on how people behave. Because many of us and many people across the globe, as soon as they encounter any of these three, admiration, wealth, or fame, they really lose control of their old selves. And I think there's a lesson to learn here, and that is that the values through which we live our lives today has to be strong enough to survive immense amounts of change. And no matter how drastically our hedonistic treadmill improves or how differently people start looking at us, either positively or negatively, it doesn't matter. It is essential that we do not lie and we do not push the person we were into the bin and our values that we cherished into the bin because our circumstances have changed. I think that this is why a stoic mentality through which we can live our lives is really important because it will teach us a lesson to value what we have, to not even yearn for what we do not have, and to treat things impermanently. And know and knowingly know that things in our lives which are present and granted today might disappear tomorrow, and we cannot rely on them to satisfy our tranquility and to provide us with happiness, because if they slip and if they are gone, then how will we ever be happy again if we did not develop the toolset, if we did not develop the artillery through which we can really flourish in our lives and say that we are living in a fulfilled, complete, 
and really truthful manner. So that is really one lesson that we can take away from the Diagonale chapter that Harry is a character who did not contradict himself once he was introduced to all this fame, wealth and admiration from really luck-based sources. Now that is one thing. Really try to value your life in a way that try to be try to be happy with what you have because you do not need anything else than this moment to be happy. Because if you think of it, you already know what it is like to be completely happy. So why do you make these contracts for with items or for events in your life to rely on those future ifies to one day become happy, to one day say that, oh, wow, I can now enjoy life. You can enjoy life in every moment if you are capable of seeing the opportunities which arise now and now and now. And I think that this is a very deep life lesson. We should not forget that we have every tool in our life to already be happy without relying on external sources. And Harry is a living example of showing us that it is truly a possibility and that you don't have to throw away your character, your beliefs, your values, and your personality in any way if either of these things happen and occur to you in your life. Now, this was our life lesson for today. And and now I would truly like to transition into some more geeky stuff with regards to Harry Potter, from which first I want to handpick the mystery of the Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone, but I'm going to refer to it as Philosopher's Stone just because this is the version that I am used to, although I'm still listening to the Jim Dale audiobook, so you know what? The Philosopher's Stone is, is, is a beautiful allegory and a beautiful quest uh, which, which really guides Harry through his first year of school and really tests his character, his loyalty, and who he really is, despite the fact that Voldemort has a part of his soul lashed onto his. So, in this episode, we meet Quirrell, the stuttering Professor Quirrell, who actually shakes Harry's hand. Now, you might ask, how can Quirrell shake Harry's hand when on the back of Quirrell's head lies Voldemort? Now, the reason why it is still possible for Quirrell to shake Harry's hand is because Quirrell lost Voldemort's trust after he failed to retrieve the Philosorcerer's stone from Gringotts, and only after this parasitic symbiosis starts because of the lack of trust which Voldemort shows towards Quirrell. Of course, on this very day, he's going to rob the wizarding bank. Uh, So luckily, just a few hours of difference uh, separates Hagrid retrieving the Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone and Quirrell attempting to rob this vault. Uh, something else to mention is how the how Dumbledore has planned to 
show and indicate Harry the importance of this object, and I don't know if Dumbledore could or could not have predicted how Quirrell will attempt to rob the stone, but I think that it is really an essential moment that Dumbledore entrusts Harry on this mission. He really knows the character of Hagrid, and he knows how Hagrid is going to communicate this secret, and I think that at this stage, Dumbledore is setting up a scenery for Harry, a quest for Harry to solve throughout his first year, which he will, but we will come back to that. Now, now I really wanted to attribute a few sentences and read the, the Gringotts warning for thieves, because I think it is just something that we might be able to extract some sort of value from. So, enter stranger, but take heed of what awaits the sin of greed, for those who take but do not earn must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors the treasure what was never yours, thief, you have been warned beware of finding more than treasure there. I think that this warning, even though is merely a warning, and I think that it is amazing how this experience will define Harry's views on Gringotts, even when they are about to rob it, because the dragons and all the mysteries that he encounters in this first big magical road trip that he experiences is just so deeply defining that it will reverberate with him until the very moment that they enter the, the Lestrange vault. Now, another point of attention is that once they have retrieved all the money, Hagrid is going for a pick-me-up, which is crazy. I don't know to which extent Hagrid relies on alcohol, but I think that especially in the first book, and maybe in the second book, Hagrid heavily drinks, which never occurred to me, but it might be an explanation of uh, how his character really starts changing once he receives the uh, the care of magical creatures teacher job later on. Um, and I just wanted to really attribute a moment to how amazing the entrance and the entry that we are presented with into the magical world is to read and to encounter over and over again. It's ne it never gets boring. It never really leaves you with any doubt that, that even though you're reading this book for the 500th time, it's still just so novel and so innovative and interesting and magical that, yeah, it's just perfect piece of art. So this will bring us to the end of today's chapter. I do hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Pensive series. I do recommend you to like or subscribe or at least, you know, somehow favorite this video if you enjoyed this series because there's a lot of work going into it. And I wish you a wonderful day. I will see you here next week for the next drop of memories. And yeah, thank you for your attention and goodbye.